Welcome to Speaking of Sex with the Pleasure Mechanics. I'm Chris from PleasureMechanics.com. And on this podcast, we have honest, explicit conversations about sex, pleasure, joy, and connection. Come on over to PleasureMechanics.com where you will find all of the resources we have been gathering for you for 15 years. We've been in our Pleasure Mechanics uniform since 2006, devoted to your pleasure, and you can find it all at PleasureMechanics.com. If you're new to the show, go to PleasureMechanics.com slash free and get started right away. On today's episode, we are celebrating National Orgasm Day by unpacking this big word, the big O, that both motivates us and can become its own stumbling block in the journey to more pleasure. Joining us for this conversation is our brilliant friend, Lucy Fielding. Lucy is a therapist, author of the new book, Trans Sex, and a returning guest to the show. Lucy Fielding, welcome back to Speaking of Sex. Gosh, it's so fun being in conversation with you, Chris. So thank you so much for having me back. Mm -hmm. And this topic came up between us as friends, as I was telling you, as I was preparing this episode, and you immediately said, God, I'd love to have that conversation with you. Talk to me about your relationship to this word orgasm and what you think needs to be unpacked here. Well, I think we, we focus so much on the big O, on orgasm or, um, you know, the little death. And in doing so, I think what I, what I often see is this kind of like most obsession with achieving this getting to orgasm and it's almost like sometimes especially like in a clinical setting when you know I'm working with somebody who's like I would love to feel an orgasm I've never experienced one um you know getting them to kind of move off of it and be like you know like what about everything that's leading up to it like are you having a good time how are you feeling in your body are you present to yourself, to the experience, to to your partner. And, you know, it's like, forget about the orgasm. I know that that's your goal and you may get there, but think about how this experience is so much more than that. And, um, and yeah. And I, I also think that pleasure and, um, and the focus on orgasm is, a, is a matter of um, importance to a project of sexual liberation. Mm. So, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And we want to zoom in on this word orgasm, because just like sex stands in in our culture for this vast range of ways we can play and engage together, orgasm has become a catch-all term for sexual pleasure and indeed a measure of sexual success. Yeah. So let's first unpack what an orgasm is, and then how do we expand our concept of pleasure and arousal so we actually can all feel way more of that? I want folks to hear this right at the outset, that we're not taking anything away by deprioritizing orgasm. I want to really honor it in the body. It's a really important function for us humans. And yet orgasm dismay is one of the leading struggles that we get emails about every day. Sex therapists hear from clients. Why? Because it's become this measure of sexual success. So that's our goal with this conversation is to unpack the word orgasm, reveal what it truly is in the body, and then get us beyond it as a standard 
of sexual achievement. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I mean, when I think about, um, you know, orgasm as this measure of success, you know, I think about that, that cliche term, you know, so baby, was it good for you? You know, and it's like, I mean, that's, that's basically what we're asking when, when orgasm is the measure of satisfaction, it's just like, yeah, like I want something more. Mm. Well, and I wish that in that question, they were actually asking, was it good? How could we make it better? What's really being asked is, did you come? And often yeah. did I make you come? Exactly. And that is part of the construct here is we think of orgasm as something we have or don't have that we give to someone else that we achieve. And this goes into our whole culture around sex as performance rather than an experience in the body yes. and that we have together. So notice for yourself, listeners, what your narratives around orgasm are, what your questions are, and how many of them are tied up in a sense of performance rather than experience. Yeah. So I want to first just lay out what an orgasm is, because it's a very specific thing. And in Come As You Are, our dear friend Emily Nagoski writes, Orgasm is the sudden, involuntary release of sexual tension. It is not a genital response or a pinnacle of pleasure. And hearing this kind of dissolves so many of our concepts of what an orgasm is. If I diddle your parts in the right way, I'll experience so much pleasure that I'll have this climactic response. And that is not what an orgasm is. Orgasm yeah. happens in the brain and all of our bodies have brains. And during the moment of orgasm, what essentially happens is excitation reaches a critical mass and then cascades into enjoyment. So that pivot moment from excitation to enjoyment is a brain event that can happen in response to any kind of stimulation, physical, intellectual, emotional. And that is a much more expansive understanding of orgasm. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And, and to get to this idea of, you know, it's not a genital response. I think we so often think, uh, we also collapse like, um, orgasm with thing with events like, mm -hmm. you know, ejaculation, um, or volume of ejaculation or squirting or, you know, or things like that, that are just like, they, Ten, they can happen concurrently, but that's not the orgasm. And that's not even a mark of pleasure. And it's so interesting when we break this down by different bodies and socialization, because we hear from so many people with penises socialized as men that they want to yeah. learn how to delay ejaculation, stay hard longer. And then we hear from other bodies who want to learn how to ejaculate. And so it's this question of like, what kind of physical events you're experiencing is a great question to unpack. And we have 400 episodes and tons of resources to help you explore all of that, but learning that these events are not concurrent. These are separate processes in the body frees us up from thinking that we're broken or wrong or haven't hit like that optimal sexual status yet. And that's so much of what the dialogue around orgasm is. It's like, is my pleasure good enough and good enough for who 
becomes the question. If it's performative, then it's all about, am I giving you orgasms? Am I having the right kind of orgasms? If it's experiential, we start asking the question of what does this feel like in my body? What does this feel like after an orgasm? What does it allow for me? Um, and it's a much gentler place to explore. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the primary feelings people turn to sex and intimacy for is both the feeling of pleasure, a feeling bathed in physical, emotional, connective pleasure, but also release. And this is where orgasm helps us. It's a really good function in the human body to create an intense moment of release. That doesn't mean climax. And I think we've conflated those two as climax is the high point of pleasure from which you then cascade down. Instead, we can think of the release as a pivot moment, that excitation, which is an upcycling of the body, right? So towards orgasm, we experience higher blood pressure, higher breath rate, higher heartbeat. It's an excitation of the system that is pleasurable, right? Because in a recent episode, we talked about how arousal can also be a fear-based response. When you feel safe in your body, when you feel safe together, that arousal can feel pleasurable. And then the cascade into enjoyment gives us the opportunity to savor, to be quiet in our bodies. And in today's busy world, this experience is really precious. So again, we don't want to discount it and we want to allow for it, but we also want to expand the conversation in all of the directions. So let's talk about the fact that orgasm is not always pleasurable because these things get conflated all the time. You can have an orgasm without experiencing any pleasure and there can be a lot of pleasure without orgasm. Yeah. It's, yeah. if you think of it in terms of, um, you know, these are just like bodily functions that are, you know, and sometimes orgasm is there to keep us safe, like in the context of, um, of sexual violence, you know, it's like, or, you know, um, that, that just because you're wet or you're hard doesn't mean that you're enjoying yourself. Um, yeah. Hmm. So pulling these things apart again, because we often talk about, oh, are you aroused? as a mm -hmm. stand-in for, are you hard or are you wet? And again, these physical functions don't mm -hmm. always correlate. So in your own body, start noticing how you feel when you feel pleasure, how you feel mm -hmm. when you feel aroused. Does mm -hmm. that always match to genital response? How can you feel your pelvic response during pleasure mm -hmm. and arousal more fully so you can get in touch with those yeah. cues? But also letting go of this idea that there is a set script that you need to follow in order to be sexually successful. What mm -hmm. is the measure of success if it's not the biggest, the most explosive, the most powerful orgasms? And by the way, all of our research, we've done 20 some episodes about orgasm. We have curated resources for you at pleasuremechanics.com slash orgasm. So this is a huge conversation and I encourage you to go explore those resources, but stop and think for yourself, what is the measure of your erotic being? Is it how many orgasms you've had that week, or is it how you feel in your body and how fully you can show up for the sex that you're having? 
One of the best ways to explore your own capacity for pleasure and arousal is during solo sex. And there are so many tools to open up new stimulation. And we talk a lot about sex toys as the physical stimulation, but for psychogenic arousal, stimulation that starts in your beautiful brain, turn to tools like Dipsy Stories. Dipsy offers a library of immersive stories and soundscapes to stimulate your mind and turn you on. Their offerings range from sweet romantic stories to thrilling erotic tales, and you can easily choose from their library or complete a quick survey and they will curate a playlist just for you. We love Dipsy so much. I use it at my bedtime. We reached out to them to partner with them so we could share this resources with you. For listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash pleasure. That's dipsystories.com slash pleasure. Try it out, notice your own arousal, and see what turns you on. For 30 days free in this immersive experience, visit dipsystories.com slash pleasure. Lucy, talk to me about some of the things that get in our way of experiencing pleasure and arousal. Like why do so many people say, well, I really like sex. I get aroused, but I can't quite get to orgasm. Like there's this sense of feeling stuck often. What is that stuckness rooted in for a lot of folks? Well, I I think it's, it's stuck in, um, I I think about that, that, um, that adage, you know, uh, a watch pot never boils. <laughs> that, um, <laughs> if you're so focused on the end result, then um, then you're in your head and not in your body. And so, you know, like all the stuff that, um, you know, all the detritus from your day, um, all the fear, all of the, you know, um, all of the chores and Um, that are pending, all the things you have to do, all the emails you have to respond to are suddenly, you know, like flooding into your head. And so some of us feel this experience of like a wall just, you know, like seem Mm -hmm. to appear out of nowhere between like my, you know, basically with my diaphragm, you know, that it's like, it's nothing is going above my chest or my neck or it's stuck in my neck. Um, And, um, and so like, you know, we're just completely in our heads and, and then it becomes frustrating and we're kind of like looking at our partners and we're thinking like, okay, am I, am I coming fast enough? Am I, um, are they getting bored? Is this okay for them? Yeah, (laughs) totally. And again, I'm noticing all of those measures that cause so much distraction and self-doubt are really culturally based narratives mm-hmm. around orgasm and sexual success that we can let go yeah. of. And we've talked a lot about this with um, penises and soft penises, um, with penetration as the mm-hmm. measure of sexual uh, engagement. Um, and we need to remind ourselves that science doesn't have all the answers here. And in fact, a lot of their constructs are pretty vague and problematic. Mm-hmm. There's a whole industry built around this quote, premature ejaculation idea mm-hmm. or erectile dysfunction, right? These are millions and millions of dollars of industry. But what premature means is it just happens before you want it to, Mm -hmm. right? That is not a medical issue in most Mm -hmm. cases. It is a measure of your frustration against a projected norm that 
doesn't need to be the guideline for your sexual experience. So I really want folks to hear that and to get more curious about what their body is communicating, experiencing, feeling. How do we, and we should say, Lucy, you are a specialist in transsexuality. The book that you just released is becoming quickly part of the canon for how we understand a more expansive, non-binary, non-heteronormative approach to sex and pleasure. Can you bring in the experience of trans bodies here and talk to us about the benefits, the challenges, the vulnerability of going off script? Yeah, like, um, I think trans sex and, and queer sex, and uh, I would say leather sex as well. Um, so that kind of, um, mm-hmm. Uh, the kind of play, um, if you want to think about certain forms of kink as um, as sexual that that are not necessarily genital based um, or, or or chest based, chest tissue based, um, is that you know we can be ingenious, and there are so many ways to experience pleasure in the body that have nothing to do. Um, necessarily with our chest tissue, our nipples, our, um, or our genitals, because, Mm -hmm. you know, our nerve endings are everywhere. I mean, you know, it's like, um, our hands, um, contain our hands, our lips and our genitals have the most nerve endings Mm -hmm. on our bodies, you know, and as Betty Martin, you know, so rightly observes, you know, in, in her work on the wheel of consent, you know, like, our hands can be these fabulous means of experiencing pleasure, not just giving pleasure. Um, And, you know, Mm -hmm. like our bodies are, can be polymorphously perverse in the sense that like any part of our body, any activity that we engage in, it has the potential of being an erogenous zone, um, of being a place like, and it's, it's, it's about exploring and and approaching our bodies from a beginner's mind, um, from this place of like, I don't know what this is. Like I may have played, like if I'm just focusing on on, on genital sex, for example, um, you know, like I may have played with a number of penises and vulvas in my time, but like, um, but like, I can't just extrapolate from, oh yeah, well, this is a part I recognize and thus I'm just going to do the same thing over and over and over again and get the same result. I have to engage my partner, my lover in a, in, in a, um, in a conversation. How does your body want to be touched? Um, how do you not want to be touched? What kind of sensation, what kind of intensity, what kind of feeling tones, all of these things. And once you do that, then everything opens up and suddenly we can get away from these measures like sexual dysfunction. Um, you know, um, because when we talk about sexual function or its antonym sexual dysfunction, as in the DSM-5, um, we are prioritizing orgasm. We're prioritizing genitals behaving in particular culturally scripted ways. When like, you know, for example, like 
you don't have to be hard to experience pleasure in um, in your um, in your genitals, um, in your glands mm-hmm. clitoris or your glands penis. Um, you can um, you can experience um, because the nerve endings are still there. The erection is merely about making the surface area available to certain kinds of intensities. But like you can still like flick the frenulum of a um, <laughs> of a penis and get all sorts of fun results. Um, and so like if we're focusing on the pleasure and on 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 experiencing that, then like you can have all sorts of experiences. Mm-hmm. I want to slow down for a second and notice that pleasure is both about the stimulation. Mm-hmm and about the interpretation. Yes. And so someone could be doing the exact same thing on the exact same part of your body. And that's the stimulation, mm-hmm. right? The input or a thought can be stimulation. Mm-hmm. The interpretation is a much more complex yeah. process in the mm-hmm. brain and it's very con- context yes. dependent. And so if your story is a soft penis is a failure, I'm not performing well, any touch might feel frustrating Mm -hmm. or aggravating or irritating. Mm -hmm. Whereas if we can give ourselves permission to be curious, if we can change these frameworks that so uh, dominate our brain's pathways, right? Because this is, it's important to have some self-compassion around this. It's not just a decision of like, I'm going to be sexually free. There's a lifelong process of unpacking the scripts, the narratives, the shoulds that have all been a project of normalizing a certain sexuality and regulating and demonizing other sexualities. So this is a cultural project that we're all a part of. And so I want us all to just give ourselves a lot of compassion and patience as we unpack these ideas, because you might be hearing all of this and think like, this has nothing to do with my experience. I want a hard cock. I want to get my rocks Mm -hmm. off, but whose story are you living into with that? And what are you performing against? Like, what are the standards of your own self-image there? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. how, and how does your social location also impact this? Um, there's a concept yes. um, called a- intimate justice that was um, really discussed by the sex researcher McClelland. Um, and, and it, what intimate justice does is that it, it focuses our attention on how uh, social and political inequities um, impact our intimate experiences, you know, and and that it affects Mm. how, um, so our social location affects, impacts how we imagine and evaluate our our erotic lives. Um, So it it can, it can affect like what our expectations are. Like, do I even expect to, or feel that I deserve um, to have a good time? Are my, are my desires or are my pleasures um, less than or not as important or too much or not enough? Um, all these kind of like capitalist frameworks that are being you know, kind of mapped onto it. Um, you know, I, I think about how so many of us, like depending on, you know, where we come from and what our, the stories that we have picked up about our bodies, about pleasure, about, 
um, about what sex is and what it's not, um, what good sex is and what it's not, what being a sexual rock star is, um, you know, uh, these kind of things. Like, um, I chuckle at the sexual rock star piece because, you know, it's like, um, you know, wherever we're like, I'm on a dating app or something and, you know, somebody matches <laughs> with me and says, you know, oh, you, you're a sexuality professional. You must be a sexual rock star. I'm like, you know, um, no, I don't have any special insight <laughs> other than like, I am extremely adaptable. I listen, I ask, <laughs> and I can swan dive spectacularly into the awkward because I understand that like, like what we're doing is awkward and fun and, and it's fun in the awkwardness and that awkwardness can be its own form of confidence um, to my mind, um, mm -hmm. you know, but like if we're coming into an experience always already thinking that our desires or our pleasures are less than, then um, that, is, that is a recipe for, you know, for disaster. Well, no stimulation can overcome that right? Yeah, People often ask indeed. like, how do I pleasure my lover more? What's the technique? And it's often like, what is the brain yeah. space? What is the mindset? Because no technique, all of our erotic massage techniques are so beautiful and such fun ways to stimulate one another, but that's the stimulation. What is the interpretation and the perception of the event? And as you said, what is expected of our social sexual body? Because some bodies have been under-sexualized and told that they are not sexually mm -hmm. relevant or that they've missed their sexual prime. So just give the fuck mm -hmm. up. And other bodies are hypersexualized, And so expressing full sexuality may feel scary or it may feel like I'm playing into a negative stereotype about my body. And so I'm going to hold way back and be the good person and be, you know, professionally competent and not express my sexuality. So it's complicated for folks. And I just want everyone to kind of take a moment and think about your own orgasmic capacity in your life, your own pleasure capacity, and how can we give ourselves more permission? This word permission keeps coming up because Lucy, you say all of this, like you're not a sexual rock star, but you've given yourself permission to be radically curious, to be self-compassionate and to have an emergent sense of what is possible. Yeah. Well, and that, that just mm. comes from, I, I mean, that took a while too, you know, like, this is not like something I was born with, you know, like, yeah. um, you know, I had my, you know, part of my journey is, is, you know, these feelings of like, um, I mean, I, I think part of my experience as a trans femme is like, you know, all of these narratives about what my body is supposed to be like and what sex is supposed to be like and what it's supposed to um, be like and what my how my genitals are supposed to be configured and what they're supposed to do and, and what I'm supposed to be doing with them, you know, that I feel how that has impacted me. And, you know, I've, and, you know, I've, I've gone through so much of my life feeling like, oh my God, like this doesn't fit me, but like, this is what is available to me. These are the scripts that are available. And, you know, and like a similar one is like this idea that like having sex with men is so much simpler. And it's like, that's bullshit. We're all simple. We're all complicated. Mm -hmm. 
that's a script. Mm-hmm. It's just that the scripts around cis, heterosexual, white, thin, able-bodied um, sex is are the scripts that are most routinely available to us. They're, they're the low-hanging fruit of, of narrative. And leave so many of us feeling alienated, yeah. feeling like not enough, feeling broken inside. And so if these scripts are not the measure of sexual success, how can we think about the want for better sex, more pleasure, deeper arousal? Like, I want to validate the want in wanting beautiful, transcendent, great sex, as you started Mm -hmm. with. What becomes the measure of that, if not your orgasm count? Are we all having a good time? You know, like, what am I, what am I feeling? You know, if I check in with my body, do I have this kind of visceral sense? And it, it can be, it's so split second of like, is this a feels good? Yes. Is this a feels bad? No. You know, um, mm. like if this is a feels bad, yes. Like, you know, this and, and, and try this with like some low stakes, non-sexual questions or items, your stimulus, you know, like, um, like you put, if you offer me pizza at any time of day, um, you know, if I just smell it, if you put it in front of me, I'm going to be like, Ooh, feels good. Yes, please. More of that, you know, and, and it's going to be this like instantaneous experience of, Yes, that, more of that. Um, And, or like, if you put things like, um, there's certain essential oils or scents that just like are an immediate turnoff for me. Like, you know, um, I I hate to say this, but like patchouli is one of those like feels bad, no scents that will get me every time. Just like... (laughs) you know, not to yuck anybody. And for another person, it can be a turn on. And that is the perception difference. Exactly. Mm -hmm. That is, that is not my yum, but it's maybe somebody else's yum, but like you feel that. And even yums are context dependent, right? If you've just eaten an entire pizza alone and we're so full, I would bring another one in the room and your desire would be less. If you are super hungry, you'd be ravenous yeah, for it. Totally. And so this is also the social context of our sexualities and how we move through the world. And do we give ourselves permission to feel those yeses, to experience our no's? A lot of this is that quality I talk about of erotic interoception, mm-hmm. being able to drop in mm-hmm. and feel how your body feels about mm-hmm. something. What are you experiencing on the inside? Because so much of sex, we talk about that external stimulation, what's someone doing to you, but it's so much more about how you feel about what is happening. I want to tell a quick story about one of the most extraordinary, surprising orgasms I had that kind of illustrates this point of stimulation, perception, and and context was I was at a symphony orchestra with a lover. And the whole time through the music, they were stroking my hand. As you said, we were just playing with one another's hands on the seat rest. And they started noticing that it was turning me on. And so they brought a little more focus to it and went to the inner wrist and were teasing me a bit. And then the music came up to this huge crescendo. And I experienced this beautiful full body orgasm with all my clothes on just from this little wrist stroking. 
And it was a combination there of stimulation, having this beautiful person pay attention to me with such care, the physical sensations coming into my nerve endings, but also then the context, the music being in public and having that be a little bit naughty. So we can think about all of these as kind of the the symphony orchestra of your pleasure, like what is in the room, what is in your head, what is the greater social context, and how can this all add up to arousal? Let's go back and remember that for orgasm, you need an accumulation of arousal. And how much arousal is accumulated in your body then changes the experience, the feeling of that orgasmic release. And so for many people, the question becomes, how do you expand your capacity for arousal? How do you hold the charge? How do you go from a double A battery to, you know, a solar panel? <laughs> so when we talk to people who struggle with arousal itself, right? Cause pleasure is a generalized state of, as you said, a feel good. Yes. We can feel pleasure with pizza, with a beautiful wind on our back. Arousal is an accumulation of mm -hmm. excitement. And a lot of people get stuck in that phase where they can't accumulate enough excitement to have a meaningful release. So how do we expand our capacity for arousal itself mm -hmm. and hold the charge of it more? Well, I, I think about um, in terms of, you know, like desire, um, you know, a lot of us get tripped up with, well, how do I know what I want? you know, and, and so like kind of sometimes that's about discharging shame. Um, sometimes that's about kind of dislodging a particular want or need from a, um, from a gender construct, um, such as, you know, the idea that like, um, or, or from an activity construct, like the idea that like, you can't be um, a dominant who bottoms that's bullshit. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of, you know, taking, taking that apart or it can be about, um, you know, like furnishing one another, furnishing yourself with, with a menu of pleasures of like, what is, what is possible talking through, like one of the things I love doing with, um, with my partners is I will, um, record, uh, bedtime stories for them. And usually it's like queer erotic poetry or um, short stories. And I, I love doing that because like, it's this oral experience that is connecting. Um, that's, you know, that allows them to kind of, you know, like hear this, this narrative of pleasure and, you know, like what is, what is, really a turn on for them and what would you make what might you refine what might you like to see less of what might you like to see more of in in that and so that can be the start of a conversation and from where we get from whence we can spin a fantasy and an experience and create something together that um that can feel transcendent that we're both excited about that we're all excited about Mm -hmm. And this is bringing me to Nagoski's fabulous saying, pleasure is the measure. Yep. So when we ask, like, what is the measure of sexual satisfaction of how well it's going? How do we return constantly back to this sense of pleasure and pleasure, not only as a physical experience, but as a embodied social connecting experience? Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think of <sighs> that, um, there's that Rumi poem um, like this we've talked about as, as important to both of us, you know, like mm-hmm. um, that first line of, if anyone asks you how the perfect satisfaction of all our sexual wanting will look, lift your face and say, like this. Like this. <laughs> yes. And yet, right, there's um, a lot of people will feel like, nope, that's not my face right now. And I just want to have like a lot of love and compassion for everyone who's feeling um, limited by the scripts, shut down by them. There's a period of kind of anger and mourning, I think, that we all need to go through when we realize how narrow the sexual experience has become for us because of culture, because of the trauma of everyday life for so many bodies, because of the sense of not feeling safe in this world right now that is so real for so many of us. And so I want to also talk about just creating kind of microcosms of safety and connection within our own bodies, first and foremost, and then with other people where we give ourselves an allowance and a permission to come home to ourselves, come home to this feeling of safe pleasure of arousal building of moving towards a release. And one of the things that's interesting is one of the parts of the brain that lights up during orgasm is the motor error response, which detects a difference between what you expect to happen and what is happening with your body. So it's the part of the brain that kicks in if you're tripping over something on the street and says, whoa there. So that feeling of falling is part of the orgasm response of a cascade into the unknown. And that feeling of falling forward of the swan dive, as you said, as some languages have called it, the little death, There's a surrender there within the brain that has to be given permission to happen. And it is antithetical to the capitalist structures of this world that tell us always to be productive, always be performing, always be in control of ourselves. So what do you need to experience that feeling of surrender, loss of control, to trust your body, to trip forward and still catch yourself? Um, that's one area to explore in the orgasmic cycle. And for some of us, safety, a feeling of safety is, is not an expectation that we routinely have, um, you know, or that is, um, easy to feel for us. Like, you know, um, it's, it's not a feeling state that, that I often experience, and that like a lot of bodies, black bodies, um, a lot disabled bodies, any, um, a lot of queer bodies, you know, that, that a feeling of safety is not necessarily, you know, like um, there. And so like it, safety can be even sometimes too high a standard. So mm. how can we experience, because that permission, that letting go, that swan dive, you know, I think that that happens when we feel held, when we feel mm. held by our bodies, held by the experience, held by any partners that are involved in that experience, um, where, yeah, we feel like, okay, um, I can go off into the unknown. I can experience 
wonder because I know that at the end of the day, I am okay. I might not feel safe, but I am safe. I am held in this experience. And so like, what do you need to feel held? What do you need to feel seen? Yeah, I think that's the measure that we're, that, we're, that is really attainable. Mm. Mm. Oh, I'm sure we could keep going. <laughs> is there anything else you want to leave folks with when it comes to experiencing more pleasure and moving from the idea of orgasm as the measure to a more intimate justice framework yeah. for ourselves? Yeah, I think what, if you take nothing else away from this, it's that you are entitled to pleasure and to desire, to having yummy experiences. You are not entitled to have a particular experience with a particular person at a particular time, but you are entitled to that pleasure and desire. We are, um, and we can reach for that pleasure. We are polymorphously perverse, magical playgrounds of wonder. And, um, and as soon as we shift to that, if we leave these toxic discourses of performance behind, what opens up for you? What becomes possible? What kind of radical reimagining and emergence can take place in your body, in your, in your sex life, in your erotic life? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We are wishing you all so much pleasure, arousal, orgasmic release, and beyond. And we haven't even really talked about what's beyond orgasm. I really want folks to hear, and maybe this is a whole nother episode, that there is pleasure way beyond orgasm. It is not the pinnacle. And if we use it as the destination, we might miss the whole world of erotic trance, of bliss, of transcendence that lies far beyond orgasm. Mm -hmm. Savor it all. Lucy, thank you so much for joining us on today's episode of Speaking of Sex. Can you tell folks where to find more of your work and your book? Yeah, so uh, my book is Transsex, Clinical Approaches to Transsexualities and Erotic Embodiments. It's out as of May. And um, as far as finding me, I'm on Instagram at Lucy Fielding. I have a website. Um, I love hearing from from folks. Um, And yeah, I just wish you all a wonderfully pleasurable, exciting, curious, wondrous life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we will link all of that up in the show notes and go to pleasuremechanics.com slash orgasm for all of our curated resources around this topic and pleasuremechanics.com slash free to get started with our free online course. I'm Chris from pleasuremechanics.com, wishing you a lifetime of pleasure. Cheers.